This impactful conversation is brought to you by Say Things Better, a method of intentional communication developed by Lila Smith. I met Lila on LinkedIn and we immediately connected due to her open heart and wisdom. She helps entrepreneurs and thought leaders to make impactful choices for their communication. The Say Things Better messaging framework is the way she managed to build her own following of over 25,000 fans. Follow Say Things Better on LinkedIn and connect to Lila through her website at saythingsbetter.com. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. I'm your host, Andrada Anizzi. Today I have with me a guest that had me intrigued from the first second that I saw his profile because uh, he has this tagline that says the F word coach. And obviously, I just wanted to learn more. So let me introduce you to Raf Baron and let him tell you more about himself. Hi, Raf. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast. How are you? Hey, Andrada. I'm feeling great. Um, thank you for having me in the first place. Um, and thank you for the feedback that actually my tagline caught your attention because that's the reason I've designed it. Um, I've designed it coincidentally. I didn't plan to do it. Uh, normally, what I do is I'm a feedback coach. And as I was building my own, my own content and, and, and profile, at some point, the F word popped into my mind. And I thought, that would be a nice way to, to use it. And uh, so I played around a little bit with it, and it stayed that way. It happens to be, it does do the job because it grabs people's attention. And that's, that's half of the battle, right, on social media. Yep. Yep. It definitely uh, drags attention, you know. But tell us a bit what, about what a feedback coach actually means. And also, I would like to learn more about the story behind what you're doing, how you started, why you started to do that, and so on. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Um, so actually, the story would give you guys really good context because it didn't, it happened organically over a period of the time. And there was, there is a one specifically um, very emotional story to me personally that really made me pay attention a lot more to feedback and what happens around. Mm-hmm. So... Feedback in the first place, I was always around coaching others. So since, since I was 10 years old, I was training freestyle wrestling and I was always enjoying coaching others and helping them get better. So that was always part of my life. And when I moved into management, I kept that mindset with me and I always thought about myself that I'm a servant leader. Um, after reading Ken Blanchard's book, I was like, yep, yeah, servant leadership, this is who I am, this is what I do. But over the years, I've realized, actually, there's a strong influence of coaching leadership is what I do. So I always wanted to watch and observe people, how they behave and how can I can help them become best versions of themselves. Mm. And that's taken me for a while. About two and a half years ago, in between the jobs, um, I had a period to decide what I'm going to do next. And I was a frequent visitor into one of the uh, restaurants, and I noticed there is a very, very good manager over there. She is absolute rock star. And me being me, I wanted to provide her feedback. So in a few occasions, I sat down and thought, okay, what can I do? How can I approach a strange manager and gave her a detailed feedback and let her know how amazing she is, how she impresses me um, from the working perspective and from a guest perspective. 
Right. Actually, she went for cigarette and I was like, okay, this is the time, Ra. You're going to go now and let her know how amazing she is. And I anticipated a few different responses from her. I wanted to really know where the conversation can go because I'm a stranger to her. All of a sudden, I let her know. I want to talk to her about um, her management, uh, management skills. But there's one reaction that I didn't anticipate at all. Hmm. So after providing the feedback quite detailed, she teared up. I seen tears in her eyes and, and that put me back and I, and I was wondering what's going on in here. And she says, Raf, I'm eight months into management, eight months. And wow. nobody told me what I'm doing great. All I hear is what I'm doing wrong. And that hit me, that shook me so hard. And at that particular moment after that, I realized that actually we are looking at feedback from wrong perspective. Right. Whatever you type into Google, um, you will find that feedback means to improve the behavior, to improve the process, or to, to reinforce the behavior or reinforce the process. Well, let me tell you, it has a lot more deeper impact on all of us than we think. Let's go back to that girl and, and think about her personal life now. For eight months, she would go back home. And by the way, that was her first management job. She would go back home and start wondering, am I good enough? Am I good at what I'm doing? Is this something that I want to do? Now think about the lack of feedback, the positive one, and the impact of it on her emotional state. And we can't just switch off at home, right? We just, yeah. It's just impossible. It, it all blends, the whole work, everything. The emotional impact is all the time there to a high degree. And that's when I realized, actually, this, is, this isn't good enough. Now I was always... I promised myself that I'll always pay forward and I look after people to my left and right. But that day I realized I need to start doing something more to help people like her. So I decided to start doing a video content based on that conversation. That one conversation prompted me to start creating videos and move more deeply and focused on feedback. Right. Right. That's an, an exceptional story. And I realized that you're actually focusing on the positive feedback, right? Because... Uh, yeah, everything. Everything is really important. Positive, positive is important. Uh, challenging is important. But what I'm really focusing on is the emotional impact. My goal is to humanize feedback conversation. But we all feel agitated. We all feel anxious when we have to provide feedback or receive one. We always wonder what we've done wrong. Or we always wonder as a manager how the person will take it. Will he or she judge me? Will he or she... Um, react back on me will that right. become a tense conversation there is so much worries that we are actually walking away from providing feedback right there's hundreds of thoughts that we have in our mind hundreds of observations every single day how many of them are actually spoken that's true small percentage and they're not staying silent in our mind because we have no credibility because we have no knowledge no skills we absolutely do as a managers we just worry what will happen whilst we speak up. So to avoid the conflict, to avoid the tension, it's better to walk away and say nothing. And that's what everybody actually suffers because there is no growth. There are no opportunities to get better, right? As Claude Silver beautifully put it, we, I'm, I would manipulate your growth by not giving you feedback. And that's true. If I know something yes. that will make you better, if I notice something that will make your podcast better and I keep it to myself a it's a selfish and yeah. b 
I'm literally manipulating with your growth. Hmm. And so I'm looking on the feedback from hugely, number one, from perspective, how to actually take away the social threat response, how to feel safe first, so first we'll create a safety oh, where yeah. we can sit down and, code and talk. And then I'm taking into the coaching realm for development, which means this is another missing piece at work that I'm focusing on your personal development. So for example, I could give you a feedback based on your podcast that will be for performance, for instance, the audio quality or the how you market yourself, how you do the intro, outro, very technical aspects of your um, podcast. And yes, that's important, but that's where often feedback stops. Where I'm taking it is I'm looking at it the emotional impact of you, how you approached it, how did you feel before that? Or I noticed when we have a conversation, there's certain parts when you pause for longer. What is that? And we start having conversations, so you dig deeper as to why exactly you have that. Or you may have a certain um, patterns when you communicate and you use a lot of erms, uh. and mm -hmm. so I would not only let you know about that, but would start digging to it, why exactly it happens. At what point, is there any patterns in here that you can focus better and improve? So I'm focusing on personal development rather than just uh, performance at work. So, for, so the podcast would be the tool to help you with lifetime skills that you can use whatever you do in the future. True. That's true. And I, I really, really love your approach because most of the people and um, maybe even a few coaches or some of them are focusing on these technical details, as you say right? Um, but I do like the fact that you're focusing on the other side that's, um, you know, most of the times overlooked with, which is how do we react? How do we feel deep within when, when we're doing a certain something? And Absolutely. I want, sure, go ahead. Yeah, no. Go. And I want to dive a bit deeper in something that you just said a bit earlier, which is the concept of servant leadership that caught my attention. And I would like you to uh, explain a bit for the audience for, because I'm sure that there's, there's people who might not be familiar with this kind of syntax. So if you could explain a bit what servant leadership is and why did you um, understand that this is who you were? I mean, this were, was the way that you are being built. How did you get there? Yes. So for me, servant leadership is putting your people first. Mm -hmm. And I'm always focused on, on making sure that people around me are the one who benefit and they are at the core of everything that I do. So I'm here for you to serve you, to help you. You're not in here to make my career progress. You're not in here to, to help me hit my objectives. I'm actually here to help you. And by doing it, I also grow. But you are the first person that I have in mind whenever I'm making decisions and whenever I lead or business or, or develop the business. So that's my definition of servant, servant leadership. And, and that's the mindset that I always had. I always feel pleasure and, and I enjoy helping others. I never think about myself. I think about the business and more importantly about the people. And that's how I drive the business forward. Mm -hmm. And so like I mentioned, for years, I thought that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, and then I realized there is a coaching part to it, which actually also serves you. And I, perhaps I suppose now when you're asking that question, think about it, 
that coaching leadership for me actually fills the gap of serving you because, because my approach is to help you become better you, not become better at what you do specifically within my business, but help you become better you. Um, and our job descriptions, our workplace happens to be a perfect tool to help you get better. So yeah, thank you for asking this question actually. It, 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 uh, it made me think a little bit more. Thank you, yes. <laughs> I'm happy to do that, trust me. And um, I'm really, you know, I, I do enjoy your answer because again, we realize that at some point what we're doing at our job can offer us even, even more opportunities to develop ourselves and also develop the others, right? Because you just said that it's not just about you being a leader and wanting someone to get involved in your business, but you're also, I mean, you're more focused on the personal developments side so if we if we got here i would like to ask you how did this journey with self-development development start for you because i understand that it that didn't actually start in the workplace right it did start before yes correct so yes to a very good degree so wrestling was part of my so sport is part of my my, my huge life and there are two critical moments that defined who I am today as a leader and my approach. First one was when I was 16, I've discovered what growth mindset is. Coincidentally, completely without knowing the concept, um, I believe in a book, that book didn't exist at that point yet in the term. But what happened is I was watching my senior colleagues training every single day. And there was one particular named Cornell wrestler. He was a older than me, stronger, faster, better by all means. And the gap was huge. What I did is I asked him if he could wrestle me every single day for 10 minutes at the end of the practice. And my objective was to score a one point. So that's equivalent to landing a one punch if you would have a boxing match, for instance. Mm -hmm. Now, should I mention that I couldn't score a one point for months? That's how big the gap was. But every single day I enjoyed it because I, I realized the first time that I, I, I wrestled him is that I get better by wrestling somebody who is stronger and bigger than me. And I'm actually benefiting. So my objective wasn't to win. My objective was to get better, put myself in a position where I am the underdog and where I'm benefiting with my growth rather than uh, satisfying my, my own ego and be the better person, the winning person. Mm. And that sticked with me through the rest of my life all the way up to today. I love challenges. In fact, at work, my employees and I, I don't talk about problems. They're coming to me with challenges. Mm. So if you come to me and if you work with me and you come to me, you would come and say, we have a challenge. And I would say, so what's the challenges and let's solve it. Other than I have a problem and, and, and let's tackle the problem. That's how deep I am into growth mindset. For me, it's all about challenges and how we learn from everything and i mean everything that we face our failure our darkest moments the moment that we hurt others the moment that we won the moment everything there are lessons over there if you're focused on learning you get better as you go through the journey so that was the first one and Maybe moving one one second before i forget sorry i would like to just ask you an additional question here because you uh, you said about the more powerful wrestler and how you approached him. I want to understand where did you get the power to approach him from? Because we know that a lot of people are afraid of going to people that are higher than them. Let's say 
to some extent or more powerful or more skilled or whatever. How did you get that, that, um, you know, that strength to go to him and approach him? Right. So the major one was that I wanted to belong and we all crave belonging. We all want to contribute and, and belong. Yeah. So I knew if I get a better wrestler, I will belong within the club um, and, I will, can, and I can contribute. So actually, I didn't want to start winning competition. I actually wanted to really get better at what I do. And by doing so, I knew I would belong and I would, uh, and I could, and I would be able to help others more. Right. So the relationship with us, it wasn't, he wasn't completely strange to me. It, 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 he was my friend. He is my friend. But the desire, the drive for me was, I just, I just, want, to, I just want to wrestle with him. I just, I just want to, I just want to do that. There was no minute I would think I want to win. I want to be better than him. It wasn't, it wasn't even the goal. I just wanted to wrestle with him particularly and with somebody that is stronger than me. And that's coincidentally, I've realized the power of it, the benefit of it. And then so eventually I moved to another one who is stronger than me and I carried on that way through the rest of my life. But back to your question, it's, it's what you really want and what you desire. What's, what, what, is your, what is your goal? And that's where you find a strength. For me, it's always very human one. It's, it's, it's a need to belong and it need, it's a need to contribute. Those two things are always driving me and every single human uh, being forward. So it all for me goes back to, to belong and contribute. Okay, got it. Thank you. Now, um, I, will, I will let you go to the second point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so fast forward 2006, I decided to move from Poland to UK. And I promised myself that within a year, I'll bring my family into UK. And so I needed uh, to work more than just five days a week. And my friend took me to a restaurant called Hard Rock Cafe. Incredible place. Uh, incredible human-focused culture. Now, for me, up to that point, uh, not once I've experienced a workplace that was focused on people. I didn't know it exists. I didn't know what leadership actually is, that actually you can come to work, you can belong, you can contribute, and you as a person, you matter. I was 24 at the time, mm. and I had no idea it's possible. My perception of work is you come in, you're clocking in, you do what you're supposed to do, you've been told when you do wrong, and you move on. You get paid, go back home. That was, that was my life up to 24 years old. Yeah. And the second it hit me that actually me, Raf, can contribute and, and can make the difference in here and I can be myself, I promised myself one thing, that I don't know, I didn't know yet how will I do that, but I will always look, up to my, look after my, the person to my left and to my right and I will reciprocate the feeling, the trust that I've been given at Hard Rock Cafe. So that was the time that I made that pledge to myself. I had no idea how to do that, but I'm going to do that through the rest of my life. I want more people to feel exactly the same way how I felt when I stepped into hard rock. They took me under their wings. They cared, they cared about me and they looked after me. And so that's when I, when I discovered leadership and started deliberately doing research, start reading books and, and, and paying attention. How can I become a leader and help others become leaders too? That's beautiful. We actually have Haro Cafe here in Romania too, but I never, I never knew that they have this kind of uh, company culture, so to speak. You know, Incredible. Uh, I just went once or twice over there, but as just as a guest, 
um, and and never knew about, as I said, about the company culture. But it's beautiful to learn that um, such a company, because they're they're widely spread, if I'm not mistaken, they have um, uh, they have branches all over the world, right? How does restaurants? It's interesting to learn how, how this kind of company, you know, has this um, this culture. Now, now yeah, just just, just a two quick things. I just visited Harrow Cafe in London a few months ago. And there was a waiter who was working there for 20 something years already. She was nearly 60 wow. years old. Now tell me what type of culture would needed to exist for a person to say, you know what, I want to stay a waitress for life. And she's still dedicated to her job and she, she rocks. And she, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's just incredible. Uh, but for those uh, of the listeners who really are interested in building culture, understanding how to build that sort of culture, mm-hmm. Gene Knight, wrote the book uh, Culture That Rocks and he, he was actually part of the team and the person who was driving that culture forward and developing it over the years. He started as a door host, part-time job door host at Hadro Cafe and stayed for years and was a major key player in building the culture that Hard Rock has today. So the book is called uh, Culture That Rocks by Jim Knight. Anyone who is interested to build and develop a culture focus on people, go and read that book. You won't be disappointed. Wow, that's brilliant. Thank you for the suggestion. I was actually planning to ask you about one book that changed your perspectives about leadership or, you know, company cultures or anything that has to do with with what you do today. So thank you for, for that suggestion. Is there any other book that you have had your hands on, so to speak, over the last years and made any kind of shift into your thinking? Absolutely. So there are two, there are two books. One, um, which is Growth Mindset, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, although I understood the concept, it expanded my view and it helped me to put it in place with feedback and how I communicate with people and how I communicate with my kids. That's hugely important. Mm-hmm. The book is not only written to um, be a better leader, it's actually more written to raise the kids with growth mindset. How can we instill that mindset into, into our kids from the early age so they carry on that way into adulthood? So growth mindset is the book go-to. And there is another one uh, called Insight by Tasha Urish. And that's all about self-awareness. Mm. Intrinsic and extrinsic. Incredibly good book. And, and self-awareness is something that I tripled down on for the, for the last four years, I go deep into my own self-awareness, emotional, um, intrinsic, extrinsic, all that. And this book is one to go to. Definitely. And it doesn't matter what you do in your life. It's all about you, who you are as a person, how you're coming across with others, how you feel, how you're expressing things, how you, what's the emotional thing that you're in? What's your mind? Uh, how's your, how your mind is, is working and, and, and really understanding yourself a lot better so you can be a better person to those who are around you. So insight is the second one. We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey, of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. 
we all know that is pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell, or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora, who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. And going into uh, self-awareness, what would be if, if there would be anyone coming to you right now and asking you what would be your greatest tip in regards for someone to come into their self-awareness, what would that tip be? What would that be? So one tip for me, it's actually start being deliberate with your thoughts. And what I mean by that, start thinking what you think at each particular point and where does the thought come in? So my journey, if I would mess up, let's say with my, with my son and I would argue with him or I would overreact it or I would ever overreact at work, what I would do next is I would start thinking, okay, what were my, where was my mind at that particular time? What was I thinking? What was the patterns? And I start looking for the patterns. And as you get better at that, then you can do it real time. So you actually consciously start scanning yourself, scanning your, your thoughts, your, your body reaction actually as well. And that helps you a greater sense of self-awareness, where you are, what's your emotion state like. So start actually think about your thoughts, which sounds funny, but it's real. You would be amazed how many hours your, your thinking just goes and you, you don't even know where does it come from and where does it head it to, right? Once you start thinking about it, you are, you are able to actually anticipate where you're going to go and, and interrupt the patterns that are destructive to your, to your behavior. Mm, that's really interesting because I, I definitely can relate and I'm sure that everyone can relate to the fact that we have trillion of thoughts on per second, you know, per in, for instance. And I was actually thinking about a situation when I was overreacting with my children and I was for sure, my, my mind was definitely in some other place. So I think this advice of yours is, is completely uh, relatable and valuable for, for everyone. And yeah. since we've, sorry, go on. If, if I just, if I just stop, because this is the second tip that I really is going to help everyone, which is, yeah. and it's a tremendous when I, when I've discovered it and realized it, think about your body as, as a volcano. Now, every volcano 
before erupts, there are numbers of signs that is telling us, telling the scientists that something is bad going to happen. So before you explode, just like the, the volcano, before it's too late, you have your own individual patterns that your body is going through that tells you you're reaching the peak and, and you're just about to explode. The trouble is that once you start going to that journey, your mind is so consumed into defending yourself or attacking another person verbally that it's really difficult to snap away from it. It's really difficult to consciously realize, actually, my mind is in the wrong place. I need to slow down. It definitely was the case with me. So what I've learned is actually when I get nervous, I have my own patterns that escalates. And I am consciously a lot better now on, on noticing them and snapping myself away from going that downward spiral. So for instance, if I'm getting nervous, if you, if you annoy me or if I'm getting stressed, all of a sudden I walk up and down the room or I would start cleaning my room or if I'm next to the table, I will move coffee cup three times left and right. And I realized this is, this is something that I do when I get nervous. Another, another one is, and it's a very common, our vision starts to narrow. So if you, if you real, start realizing that actually your vision is no longer um, as clear and, 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 um, and wide, if you will, and is narrowed, that's a sign for you that you get emotionally hijacked. And it's easier to notice that than actually controlling your thoughts. At least it's, it is my case, and, and it's in the case with the people that, I, that, I, that I'm talking to. Right. So pay attention to what your body tells you because that will give you additional tool to slow down before you erupt and it's too late, before you regret. Right, that's brilliant. Okay, so uh, going back to the question that I wanted to ask you, uh, speaking about self-awareness and children in the same place, please um, let us know how do you manage as a parent, you know, because you are always also talking about these patterns, about exploding in that moment, and we all know how hard it is to have children and, you know, keep your composure, so to speak, in front of them, in, especially in critical situations, especially in situations when you really feel like erupting as a volcano, to, to use the same, uh, the same metaphor that you use. So how do you manage to keep, keep your composure and not explode? Yeah. I understand that you analyze your emotions very much, but right. um, some practical tip that all parents can take from you? Yes, absolutely. Um, so first I need to, need to admit to one thing that I'm different parent to my younger son who is eight. And I was different at a time when my older Nathan was at his age. I wasn't as self-aware about myself and my impulse control was, was a different point than it is today. And so my responses to, 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 to him would be different than they are today. And I've improved hugely just because, or mainly because of the self-awareness. And so two, two examples of how, how self-awareness really helped me. Number one, with Xavier, I realized that in the morning, so when I go in the morning to the school with him, I always have a set patterns of fun with him. And there is a different type of place that we do and we both have fun. And at some point I realized that what made me laugh yesterday, it makes me, it makes me angry almost today and I and I view it as we're wasting the time and and stop messing around we need to go to the school and then so I became curious curiosity is one of my uh, two 
um, pillars that I'm building everything upon. So I became curious, what's the difference? Where does the different rough comes from? It's the same person, same son, the same scenario, the same fun that most of the time we, have, we, we enjoy, but today I'm not. And so what I did is I started tracking the, the patterns, what that potentially could be. So I asked myself, you know, how did I behave just before that? What's the common patterns? And I realized the common pattern is a sleep. And I realized if I have five, six hours sleep only, and I before, that's well in the morning, my impulse control is very low, my patience is very low. So it's, it's got nothing to do with my son, and it had nothing to do with the fun that he tried to have with me. Well, we, got, we are trying to place the, the responsibility on our kids, on others, like, you know, you're messing around, and because of you, we will be late to school. It had nothing to do with it. It had everything to do with the state of that I was in, and lack of sleep was a problem. So I realized it's a five to six hours when, it's my, where, when I'm at my low. So I had to improve that. And I started playing with my sleep pattern and I realized seven and a half hours is my sweet spot. If I have seven hours sleep, I am person to be around and I am at my peak. But I cannot go sleep later than 1 a.m. So if I have seven and a half hours sleep at 3 a.m. till 10.30, doesn't count. So that's just a little bit of a side story about my self-awareness and being curious with how I behave and how I um, operate based on different hours of sleep and moving them up and down. And so just by staying curious with my sleep and improving my sleep, I am now every single morning have a great loads of fun with my son and he, he has the same fun with me, right? Mm. Secondly, I realized that I'm getting angry at certain circumstances and I've learned that the pattern is very common with my son and it's with every single person that is around 20, 21 years old. So there are moments when I'm losing control over myself and I go and I really get verbally aggressive and I want to prove people wrong and put them, put them quote unquote, in the right place. And it's not the right behavior that I should do. I, you know, and I realized at some point I violated uh, my values, what I believe in at workplace. You know, I've criticized person in public. I was aggressive towards him. Um, don't get me wrong, not physically. I was just really, you know, one of the angry manager who uses the authority and says, this is how it is, this is going to be, and you have no rights to speak up, right? right? And I was like, what's happening with me, Ralph? How did you come to the point that within seconds, you literally lost your all control and you violated everything that you believed in? What's happening in here, Ralph? And through self-awareness, I realized that there is a common pattern and there's a young people who act like they don't care that triggers me. That was my red button. That was my trigger. Mm. And then I realized that's what happens with, with Nathan. He has a tendency to communicate with me in a way that he's, it seems to me that he doesn't care and is a person who cares a lot. But you see, our intention matters nothing. If, you, if, the, if what comes across is the opposite. So he does care a lot and he does listen to what I'm saying. His responses indicate to me that he claims no responsibility for his behaviors and it triggers me. And I have two options. Either tell him to stop it or actually I can reframe it, realize this is my trigger and remind myself that no, he does care. I'm just overreacting to it. And so just because of that, my communication with him improved hugely because when he gives me the certain response or when he has the certain attitude 
I'm not being triggered. So first I slow down and we can have conversation. And now I can peacefully work on his side and make him aware that actually he comes across that way and he makes me feel that way. But first I had to improve to actually keep the conversation safe and within the safe zone that he can listen to me and we can engage with each other. Okay. So with the patterns, just on the self-awareness, I've learned to improve my um, impulse control. And therefore, whatever they do, I'm able to slow down, stay curious for a little bit longer, and then reply back. And that improved our relationship hugely. I'm a lot better parent and a lot better husband because I work on my feedback, how to receive feedback as well. And I work on my self-awareness. Right. Wow. <coughs> Sorry. And how did you manage to implement this self-awareness with, with uh, your clients, with the ones that come to you for feedback coaching? This is a, it's, it's a slightly longer process. It is actually a long process because for me, my journey is already four years um, since I really doubled down on self-awareness and, it, and, it, and it's a never-ending story, really. Yeah. But it's about... It's all about understanding you as yourself. So first thing that you, everyone needs to understand that every piece of advice that you get and that you've been given or listened or heard, you have to be able to translate it into your own reality. What well, we are oh, so different. Andrada, you are so different than I am that I can't tell you, treat it as a challenge and you're going to be better, right? So I'll give you an example. I was drinking a lot of Red Bulls, a lot of Red Bulls, um, at some point, you know, late nights at work and, you know, I need Red Bulls, I need Red Bulls, I need coffee. And I realized it became my addiction. And it was, first of all, it was difficult to admit, but it was my addiction. And, uh, and I had one moment when one of my employees came up to me and she says, Raph, I can do 12-hour shift without any coffee and Red Bulls. And you cannot? And I treat it as a challenge. And I said, from today, no more Red Bulls. What I actually did, I put a Red Bull on top of my desk and I said, Here's my challenge. I'm not going to even touch it from now onwards. That's it. And it works for me, right? But I can't give you the same advice because you might be completely different to me. Your background, um, your story, your life might be completely different. You might not necessarily be a growth mindset person just yet. So I can't tell you this is what you have to do. Yeah. First piece of advice, guys, is you really have to be able to translate into yourself. Don't take it for, in a word for word in a face value because it may cause actually harm that good. Listen, stay patient, stay curious and ask yourself, will that work with me? How can I make it work for me? And then move slowly forward with it. But self-awareness, patience, guys, it takes time. Yeah, it does. For sure it does. I'm, I know, for instance, that patience is not my cup of coffee for sure cup of tea for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning it on the way. And speaking about, again, about patience, but translated to children, yeah. how do you teach them this path of patience? Because I know that I'm hitting a lot of walls, at least with my younger girls, girl who is five. So yeah. she wants everything and she wants it now. So yeah. your children being a, older i would love to learn from you how did you manage to teach them patience or what what approach um did you have in order to imprint this kind of let's say concept in their minds that things cannot be done on the spot every time 
and in the end it shouldn't be that yeah. way always so for me it all goes back to what is your goal what you want to achieve what's the reason that you are impatient and you want it now and it comes down to that you want the result now the end result something that you want needs to be now so the end result could be uh, have the game today okay so i need uh, daddy i want uh, that new game and i want it now that's the end result or i want to get better at playing football and i want it now so my ways of overcoming it firstly is focusing on the journey and 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 focusing on getting better than other results so i don't praise my kids for finishing the job mm -hmm. i focus my language on the process, the what goes through with it. So they enjoy the moment and they stay present rather than focus on the end goal. So what I'm doing is I'm saying, it's not important for me that end result, don't show me the end result, show me how you're getting there and I'll, and I'll praise you for that. So that takes away the, the nagging need of having the result, the tangible one, the end result. So the, their mind is no longer focused on the end game, it's focused in the present. So that's, that sort of uh, growth mindset, tactic, uh, and, and attitude helps. So that's with a performance-based. In terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, like I said, the game, for instance, for me, it's I'm making simple rules. Like with my younger one, this is how much money you can spend every month, and you can spend, you can you pick up the day when you get the money, and so he gets the money on that day. He can buy the game, and he knows there is no going back. You need to wait another four weeks until your small money comes in, and then when you can have it. So. I'm teaching him that actually, just because you want, you don't have it now. You know, you need to wait for it. So, those are the two ways I'm putting in place. But most importantly, is the understanding that the end result isn't the game. Is it? Is it the, the goal to obtain? Right. So it helps them stay focused on 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 the, on the present in the present. Sorry. Okay. Would you be, uh, would you please give us an example on? the praising during the process and not the end goal? Uh, yes, absolutely. So if, if, for instance, my son achieves the goal and he comes up to me, uh, the younger one, okay, so the older one does the, the rugby and the younger one uh, doesn't do any sport just yet. Um, I'm not sure if he actually will because I'm not the kind of parents who are forcing them to go into do this yeah. because I've done that. Um, but if he comes to me and he says, hey, I've, I've unlocked the, uh, the character, Okay, my first thing, rather than say, uh, well done for achieving it is, I'm focusing on, again, on the process. So, so wow, how long it took you? Like, you know, what was the process? Or I would say, uh, you know, I appreciate your hard work, your patience, right? So rather than just uh, staying with, with the end result, I'm talking about how long did it took him or what did he do or what did he have to do to do it? So he says, hey, daddy, I know that, that, uh, that character. And I says, hey, what did you have to do to achieve that? Mm. All right, so then I take his mind, so, so taking his mind, he talks me through what he had to do. So there is the process. And obviously, you know, I praise it, well done for that. And so what's the next then? You know, what's, what's, the, next, what's the next step from it? And mm. so we did stay focused on, uh, yes, I've achieved and that's the end. And there is, there is a further stages to it. But I, I want him to talk about how he get there and what, does it, what did it take so he understand what it took him. Okay? Or... Uh, for instance, when he says something to me, um, he can't do it now or he can't achieve that one, that, that or the other. I take him back to different process when I, when I can clearly map for him where he was able to achieve through patience and hard work. So, hey, I remember when you went with the last game, uh, you were not good when you started. 
with the amount of hours you've put it in you played and you got better you know or i remember when you start playing this game you couldn't do anything and then with the practice you achieve that in here the process is the same so rather than focusing on his current frustration i'm showing him the process that he went through in the past the journey and I'm explaining to him, this is exactly the same in here. This is your starting point when you were over there. So with the practice, we will get better at it. Okay, so I appreciate and understand that you're not good at it now, but we're gonna work through it and you get better. Um, and so it, it develops a different mindset. So today, it was one of my, this morning was one of my proudest moments, if I'm honest with you, because mm. about a few months ago, surprisingly, my son told me, he doesn't like world challenge. It crushed my heart, the younger one. It literally, I was like, wow, this is not who I am. This is not how I'm raising him. And he admittedly said he doesn't like the challenges. He doesn't like the, he doesn't like the world challenge. He doesn't like the world um, effort, put effort into something. Mm. And I was like, wow. And it would be very easy for me to go, you know, uh, parental mode, go the hierarchy one. This <laughs> is how you do what I'm telling you. No, no. I slowed down um, and I worked through it. Today, we went downstairs. And he went upstairs first. I gave him a pair of socks to, to put on. And he came to the room and he said to me, Daddy, I had a challenge. And I achieved it. I was like, what was the challenge? To put my socks on before you come back to the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so that's, those are the small things that he starts to understand what the challenge actually means and what does it take to, to accomplish it. And, and when we go to school every morning, he always tells me now, Dad, do you love challenges? I know that. Yes, I do that. Zayden. And I said, I've got a challenge for you at school. And so we play, um, so we play um, the chasing game every single morning at school. But the way he sees it is like, I'm going to have a challenge for you at school and the challenge will be we will chase around each other. Hmm. And I always let him know that I love the challenges. It was great fun and et cetera, et cetera. So I always go back to that language and, and the mindset. Wow, that's, that's interesting. And it's, it always speaks volumes about the, the quality time that you offer to your children because I, I know that I'm guilty partially of not having enough time to give this quality time to my children, but I'm trying to do that in, in all the moments that I have spare for them, you know, like to give them this kind of insight, um, I don't know, when we're eating or taking a walk or going in, into the park during the uh, um, the way to the park, so to speak, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I do, I do love your examples. It's interesting to, to learn about how children, how well children actually react to this kind of approach, right? Yeah. We are the role examples. We are the perfect role examples and mold behaving. So we can't say, my dad was always telling me, don't drink alcohol just like I do. You have to do better. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work that I can't tell my son, like, I'm smoking cigarettes, but you cannot. It's, yeah. it's hypocrisy. Like, what sort of behaviors we are instilling? We are instilling in our kids the hierarchy, seniority approach that tells you, if you are in a senior position, you can do power over the people below you and demand different behavior, and it's okay to do so. And that behavior, that attitude carries into the workplace, and that's why we are struggling so much, because... Yeah. I truly believe we don't start off as a managers with the end goal, with a, with, a, with a goal in our mind to become that jerk boss, the micromanager. It's not that how we start. We all want to be that supportive manager. But because we have to deliver the results, 
and we don't know yet fully how to figure it out and our manager isn't supportive and patient with us, we go back to what we know. And what we know from childhood is if you're the older brother, you're the one that has a say in the room, right? You, you can impose whatever you want because you're the older. So I've got 15 and 8 years old at home, big gap. But the older one exactly understands that he has no right and, and, and this is not the right behavior to use the advantage of your age and, 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 and whatever the seniority you have over the younger one. I like that. Or I don't do the same thing to him. Just because I'm 37 and he's 15 and I'm his father, he needs to do what I say. So I never say, you do it because I'm your father or because I said so. I'm your father, so do it. No, no, no. There's always conversation. I always go back to the principle, the universal principles, the human values that we have. So he understands he needs to do or don't do things because it has impact on you and people around. So I don't tell him, clean, his, clean your room because I said so, or it's your duty. No, clean your room because it upsets your mom because it's important for her that our house is kept clean. Right. Rather than do it because I said so. So there's two different ways I understand and I explain why it's important to keep the room clean. It's just one of the examples. But it's so important because at work, managers often provide feedback, do it because I said so, do it because you've always been doing yeah. that way. Uh, do it because it's your job and it's my job to make sure it happens. Well, yeah, management has been invented years ago to make sure we, we, the job gets done. But that, that was at a time when the job was linear, there was a clear guideline, do A, B, and C. It's like an assembly line. Yeah. For those type of jobs, it's okay-ish. Not in our complex world today to use the same management style to get people to do things just because you said so. You have to bring the universal values, principles, and understanding into the feedback. One, because that's what resonates. Two, it creates safety. And three, they are able then create and develop more leaders behind them because when they coach, they can explain why certain things happening versus because I was told so or oh, yeah. because it's that way. Oh, so yeah. really important to to bring the feedback into those universal values and have those conversations and not imposing the hierarchy, the, the seniority onto people. I so agree with you because I've seen so many examples of just do it because I said so. When actually people, for instance, if, I'm, if I would be asked, I'm that kind of person who I would never do a thing just because someone said so. I always ask why. And if the person doesn't want to explain that I'm not doing that and we enter into an argument. On the other hand, if the person explains why, I may have my disagreement, but still do it because now I know why I have to do that or mm -hmm. why I have to do it in a certain way that I don't agree with. Or I might even find a way of improving the process, right? Due to the fact that I'm, I do not agree with it, but I'm still doing it. I understand. I mean, I learn how it's done until how it has been done until now but i have a clear view of what i can bring to improve the process right absolutely absolutely and it's so so easy to to take it from like i said from a childhood and, and be that manager and say this is how it gets done period oh, yeah. it's no good and it's no matter you just actually explain how you feel at the point when you've been told to do something just because and then all that carries through your rest of the day the, the impact that every single potential social threat that it has on us, every single disagreement that it has on your future performance and relationships with people around you is detrimental. 
the, the ripple effect of it is huge and we don't fully realize the impact of it um, when we actually micromanage people, okay? That's true. Take away the sense of autonomy, it's a huge, huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. I, I worked in, in the corporate environment for 12 years and I know what you're saying because I've seen so many things on so many levels, so different situations. So, yeah. Yeah. And in a previous episode, um, I spoke with Virginie Lamavrist, if you know her, and we spoke precisely about leadership and different um, situations where leadership should be, you know, approached completely different. But from your perspective of feedback coach, uh, let me ask you for the time being, if people would like to get in touch with you or uh, engage with your services, where can they find you? Right. So my major platform where I, where I always present and I produce my content is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. That's where you can always find me. There is, there is a tons of um, content that I provide over there and, and engage with people all the time in different posts and, and messages. I also have my own uh, website, www.feedbackcoach.co.uk. And over there, I also have a video content page where I provide regularly tips on feedback. So you can subscribe to it. And all I do is send you the link every now and then. And you can watch a short two minutes video with, with a tip that you can take away today and put in place tomorrow or even today mm -hmm. and start improving your feedback skills. So those are the two places where I'm always available. Mm, that's interesting. I might sign up today. <laughs> Um, and if people would like to approach you precisely for something, what would it be? And yeah, what would it be? Uh, so what do you mean by what, what would that be? As in where? If, or? Someone, if someone comes to you and would like to um, ask you something, what are you available for? Just coaching on feedback or is there anything else? So I'm, I do feedback only at the time. If you approach me and you need a little bit of help personally and you're stuck in your life, I'm here to help and pay forward. That's what I do. No problems at all. But for the paid services that I'm offering, it's all about feedback, providing feedback, receiving feedback, and coaching feedback for development. Those are the three areas that I'm specializing and do as a, as a paid service. Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, helping you with leadership and, and all that, I'm always available. I'd love to help. I'd love to answer more questions. In fact, I cannot wait for a live video to be available on LinkedIn because I can promise it now what I'll be doing. I'll be holding regularly um, live videos where I'll talk only about leadership and early stages in your work when you first become a manager, how to develop managers behind you. So not necessarily about feedback, but a lot more about your journey as a manager, as a leader, to help more people actually step into leadership even when there are no mentors or role examples around you right i can wait for linkedin video uh live video right to be available just for that and for a few other reasons but what you just told us is is uh pure value and a lot of people will have a lot of takeaways from you i'm sure and for how long i mean what's the length of the videos that you are planning to put out when when the live will be uh, available um i just i would go with the flow really depending yeah. on the audience the amount of the questions um at the moment i'm planning to put at least hour a week 
just mm-hmm. for that. Um, but the other day I was thinking, what if the conversation is great and it takes 90 minutes? Fine, it's 90 minutes. For me, it's a purely paying forward. That's, that's all it is to me. Somebody helped me at some point of my life and I hope to and I wish to do that for more people. Social media gives me the platform to do so. Yeah. And, and I, can, I can have an even greater impact because I know that people that I help, they will walk away and help others as well. And that's what it means to me being part of the solution. Um, and that's my small ways of contributing to it. And translated into the name of this podcast, this is your way. Uh, this is the way that you're choosing to make an, an impact on the world around you, right? Absolutely. It's, it's very deliberate. It's very, it comes from, from who I am as a person. And, and really, my experiences through life has been marked by that. And every single time that somebody reached out to me, extended a hand and helped me, I can't help. And we all can't help but reciprocate that and, and pay forward. Yeah. That's who we are as a human beings. Um, and I hope more people will do exactly that. And I know it's really hard to do it at work because at home we all, we all mean well and we are supportive and caring. At work is a little different because as you mentioned, the corporate world works differently. But trust me, people, we can all do that at work as well. It starts from the person to your left and to yeah. the person to your right. And if you do just that, if you create that safety net just for those two people, they will do the same to the next two, uh, to the next two people above them. So for me, when I coach managers and develop them, one of the main things I always tell them, you are acting as a safety net, as a filter to what comes from around. It's very easy to blame the bosses above, to blame the head office and all the circumstances, but actually you have a great deal of control over how much of that comes towards your people because you can start controlling your behavior and so you can stop adding the pressure and trigger um, the social threat um, responses with your people simply by focusing on your own behavior and that's the way of making this world better and, and, and spreading the leadership that's what it's all about it's not about the big decisions in the head office it's not about the strategic moves where the company takes and moves forward Leadership is actually looking to the person to your left and to your right and make them feel safe. If you only do that, only do that, I promise you this world will be a lot better place to live in. I love that. And thank you. Uh, One of the things that I, I like to ask my guests lately at the end of the show is to leave the audience with something of great value that they, they would like to share. And you just did that without me asking you. So I do appreciate it. And um, I am tremendously grateful for the fact that you accepted to be my guest in the show. And um, I wish you an amazing time ahead, abundant times, and uh, to keep on making ripple effects around you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me in. And like I said, for anyone who needs any help or support or advice around leadership, please, guys, drop me a message on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'll get back to you. Uh, tune to my content um, as well. And if you've got any suggestions, guys, how else I can help you, just let me know. That's brilliant. Thank you for that. Have a lovely day, Raf. You too, Andrada. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead. And please, don't forget, smile at life, and life will smile right back at you.